Well, as Pastor Jason said uh, earlier in the service, we have uh, been praying for you. You probably didn't realize it, but we've been praying for all of you uh, every day for the past couple of weeks, and I'm so excited you're here um, tonight. God, if you are here, God has a word for you. If you would but give him your attention, listen to what God wants to prod your heart with. God has a word for you. And I know that to be true uh, because we are going to be reading his words in the Bible. And so our scripture for tonight, uh, we're going to read Matthew chapter 1. For tonight's sermon, verses 18 to 25, you can follow along on the screens behind me uh, or in your own Bibles. Begin in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? <clears throat> Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the opportunity we have to to hear from you and what it means for us to study your word together on this, uh, the birth, the birthday of your son, Jesus. Lord, we come before you celebrating uh, all that you've done in our midst over the course of uh, the last uh, few days uh, leading up to this uh, great celebration of Christmas. And we ask God that you would meet with us now as we slow down just a moment and we hear from you. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we come to know and understand your word and indeed your ultimate will. And then by your power, open our hands that we might serve you faithfully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every name has a meaning. Every name has a meaning. And, and, and if you have uh, a pet, you know what I'm talking about. Every name has a meaning. If you, if you uh, are a parent and have named a child, then you know every name has a meaning. If you have ever had a stuffed animal, 
in your life, then you know every name has a meaning. Uh, if you've ever had the opportunity to give your child a Tyrannosaurus Rex and, uh, and then uh, as a stuffed animal and you say, what's its name? And they look back at you and they ponder and they think and they calculate and they, and, and, and they question, oh, what am I going to name him? And then they think to themselves, oh, eyes get big, they realize something amazing and they say, his name is Andrew. And you put, it, you put it together that your child's, like, favorite friend who doesn't live nearby that they don't get to play with often is named Andrew. But now, through the Tyrannosaurus Rex, your son can have something that's named after his friend so they could play. Well, what does your name mean? My name means healer. Jason means Healer, it's, it's interesting because at this service, my father is, is in the room. He drove up from Missouri City, and I'm thinking to myself, I've never asked my dad why he named me Jason. We need to have that conversation at some point. But I, I do want to confess to you that over the course of my life, I have had many moments where I actually felt guilty or felt like I did not live up to my namesake. You know, if my dad named, and mom named me Healer, uh, and I didn't become a doctor or a surgeon or some sort of uh, researcher that de developed a cure for all things, then I'm a failure. And so I've, I've felt the weight of that whenever uh, the Lord called me into ministry. And yet, over the course of my life, there have been countless other ways where I have experienced the depth of what that can mean from God that I could offer healing in other ways. What does your name mean? I have a friend uh, who, when, when we, were, we were young, he and his wife uh, were, were, were pregnant, and they did this really, what I thought was, was, was crazy sort of a thing. And so if you did this, I'm not calling you crazy because I still love my friend. But uh, they, they decided that, uh, that they were not going to name their child until the child was born. Like, they, they were going to know the gender, it, it was a boy, so they knew that they were going to have a son, but they, they vowed to not talk with one another about what they were going to name him. They decided that they weren't going to Google anything, they weren't going to look at any books, they weren't going to decide what the name of the child would be. And, and, and he told me, he said, hey, whenever our son is born, on that, in that moment, we'll know. We'll know and we'll just... His name is, and I laughed with him, I joked with him, I prodded him, I said, look, if you wait until that moment, then you're going to name your child Crier, because that's what babies do. Like, you're going to look at your son and say, you're a whiner. Uh, but but that's, that was their plan. And so I vowed to myself that whenever my wife and I had a child, we would not do that. And so whenever uh, Lauren and I... Uh, were pregnant with our with our with our first child. Uh, we began where everybody is supposed to begin, and that's that is with Google. You you Google names, and then you see the popularity of names, which is probably how I was named Jason because I had 17 other Jasons in every class all the way through school. That that is the year of Jason, like the 99th percentile of names, but. Um, we looked it up, and we, we were digging in, and we were trying to decide, and, and there was a name that popped up to both Lauren and I before we knew the gender of, uh, of, of our child, and uh, it was the name Addison, which means son of Adam, 
or firstborn. And uh, it was interesting because whenever our uh, whenever whenever we got the report that we were having a daughter as our firstborn, we were struck with this kind of odd question: Do we still name our daughter Addison whenever Ad- Addison means son of Adam and firstborn? So we wrestled with it and we leaned back and forth. And then ultimately, what was interesting is the Lord just kept putting Addison before us, Addison before us, and until there was a resolve within us that, that we needed to dig in more. And so we leaned into this concept, this, this meaning of firstborn, and that, that to be the firstborn has power, and there's biblical power, and there's, and there's a rootedness to, to firstborn. And, and, and Adam was the firstborn of all creation, and Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. And Lauren and I as Christians had received new life and new birth in Christ, just as you, brothers and sisters, have new life in Christ as well. And, and to have a firstborn in, in biblical times is to have a legacy that's passed down from generation to generation. And so that legacy of, of our love for Christ and our rootedness in Christ would be poured into our child in her naming. And so we named her Addison, firstborn, so that that legacy of Christ's love might live on in her. What, is, what does a name mean to you? What does your name mean? The names of Jesus are so many, uh, we would be here for a long time processing through them all, but, but just to name a couple, of, a, a few, not a couple, a few of the, 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 the names that we have for Jesus from Scripture. Jesus is the Christ, and Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the King of kings, and also the Lord of lords, and yet also the Prince of peace. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, but Jesus is also the door and the gate. Jesus is the master, the teacher, the rabbi, and Jesus is the lamb of God and the good shepherd. Figure that one out, lamb and shepherd. Jesus is the alpha and the omega, which means the beginning and the end. Jesus is the son of David, the son of man, and the Son of God. When we hear the names of Jesus, we know that, that there is a profound impact to what we are saying. When we call upon his name, all of those things are there and so much more. And there are a few names uh, that, that resonate from the, t- the text that we read in the Gospel of Matthew. The first is, is the name Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel actually comes to us from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And the prophet has has this word to say about what will happen in the restoration of all things. And, 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 And the prophet has this word from the Lord that says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you, the people of Israel, all of God's people, a sign. There will be a virgin who will be with child and will give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. We'll call him Emmanuel. That same verse is echoed in Matthew chapter 1 that we just read. Uh, and, and, and it records that whenever Jesus is born, it's a fulfillment of this prophecy uh, from Isaiah. And Jesus is still called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God 
is with us. That's a perplexing and and challenging concept for us to to wrap our minds around because uh, this is spoken as a promise to a people who had in many ways given up on the possibility that God could in fact be with us. I mean, this, this, this was seen to be impossible because from the very beginning of creation, there was, there was Adam and Eve, and God was with humanity. God was with them in the garden. And yet, whenever they fell, whenever they fell into sin, that covenant was broken. And then there was this impassable gap between God and humankind, this, this sin gap, and, and it was impossible to stretch across. And so... Whenever we see the scriptures unfold, we see that there are times in which God has, has allowed, allowed the people a glimpse of his very presence. That glimpse with Jacob wrestling or that experience of Moses and offering a word from the mountain or God offering a word through the prophets. And so we get just a portion of God, but God not fully with us. And then there was the law, and the law was lifted up as this thing that if we could yet, you and I could yet just follow the letter of the law, if we could just do all of these things, these codes, uh, all, all, of the, all of the laws in Leviticus, and, and, and if we would just find a way to do that, we could be with God. And yet, you and I have always proven ourselves incapable, incapable of adhering to a set of laws in order to achieve on our own, God's presence with us. God's presence is the deepest desire of our hearts. It is God's presence with us is the thing that is most needed in our world today and every day. I want you to hear that because, because we think a lot of things about what we need in this world and we could talk about world peace and we could talk about world hunger and we could talk about all of, all of the, the, the Miss Universe sorts of statements of things. I pray for world peace and then that is what we're going to look for. But that's not the answer to the greatest need in this world. The greatest need for you and for me is God's presence with us, Emmanuel. And so when we hear that Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us, we, we have this newfound hope, but we find it yet perplexing. Could it actually be possible? The second name that, that Matthew uh, fixes so much attention to is the name Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. And, and it starts at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus goes to be baptized in, in chapter 3. And as he's baptized, he comes out of the water. And as, as he's coming out, there's, there's a, a light and there's a dove that shines upon him. And there's a voice from the Lord God Almighty. And God says, this is my son, the son of God. This is the son of God. And I'm well pleased with him. So God, from the very beginning of Matthew, is establishing that That Jesus is the Son of God. And if Jesus is the Son of God, then he carries the very essence of God into the world. All of God's power and might and presence has entered in with Jesus, and God proclaims that. And then it moves on because we don't just need to hear God say it. We need to see how Matthew articulates that the Son of God is moving in our midst. And it starts not where you think it would. The next articulation of where the Son of God is proclaimed is from a demon. 
actually a legion of demons. So, so Jesus uh, enters into uh, to a new region and he encounters someone who's played with, with demons and the demons shout forth from inside of this man and they say, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? What do you want with us, son of God? God proclaims that this is my son. Demons proclaim that this is the son of God. But it doesn't stop there because it needs to move amongst the people of God so that it could arrive to you and to me. The next is that I'll highlight is, is, in, uh, is in chapter 14, verse 33. You see, Jesus is with his disciples, and then he sends them forth on a boat and says, I'm going to catch up with you. And, and as, as, as they're on the boat, uh, there's a storm, and there's wind and waves, and here comes Jesus walking on water. And he calls forth Peter, and Peter walks on water. And Peter doubts, and Jesus reaches up, and he then walks with, with Peter back to the boat. And as they get back into the boat, the disciples of Jesus have a revelation about the personhood of Jesus. And then they say, we're going to worship you because truly you are the son of God. Disciples of Jesus have a revelation that opens their eyes to see that Jesus is the son of God. God with us. And then finally... It doesn't just go to people who are actively following and searching Jesus out. It goes to unexpected places, to people that have doubts, to people who struggle, to people who strive actually against Jesus. And so we see at, at, at Jesus' crucifixion in chapter 27 that, that Jesus is on the cross and those that beat him and whipped him and stripped him and crucified him, in that space, Jesus, as he dies, cries out in a loud voice and asks God, to forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And when he dies, when he breathes his very last, the temple veil is torn in two and the earth quakes. And when he dies, the Roman centurions that actively worked against Jesus have to say this. While they're guarding Jesus, they, sh they exclaim, they exclaim, proclaim loudly for all to hear, surely he, this Jesus, is the son of God. You see, this reality of God with us, the Son of God there, comes as a voice from God Almighty, from demons, from disciples, and from those unexpected persecutors of Christ. So I don't know where you are in that mix. No matter where you are on that spectrum, there's a place for you at the table today. God is inviting you to hear fresh and new that he is with you in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. The last name that we should hear is the name of Jesus. His very name, the name that God gave Joseph and the name that Joseph then was obedient to offer to his son. And, and there's, a, there's a definition of Jesus in the scripture, embedded in the scripture. We'll get to that in a second. But, but there, there's, there's a root of the word Jesus. Jesus is Yeshua in the Old Testament. And then for the, the, the personhood of Christ in the New Testament, it's actually shortened to Yezu, referring to Jesus the Christ. And that means deliverer, 
rescuer or savior. The very name of Jesus, deliverer, rescuer, savior. What do we need saving from? Why is this rescue required? What do we need deliverance from? Well, the, the angel of the Lord articulates this to Joseph in, in verse 21. He says, You're, uh, Mary's going to give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Save, Savior, his people from their sins. So you might hear the words his people and wonder, where am I in that? His people, Jesus has people. Do you have people? Jesus has people. Jesus has a very specific kind of person, everyone. Not just Jews, and if we go through the New Testament, Jesus is there for the Jews. He's there for the Samarians. He's there for the Gentiles. He's there for those that have demons. He's there for those that need miracles. He's there for his disciples. He's there for everyone. And all through the New Testament, we see over and over again that Jesus is opening his arms more and more that his people would be identified through the generations as you and me. God with us to save us from our sin. Some of you get caught up on his people and some of you might get caught up on on their sin, and you think to yourself, I thought to myself many times over the course of my life, actually a couple of times today, uh, really me? My sin? God, you really have enough for me. And when you read this scripture, you're filled with doubts and questions, confusion on if it's actually possible that, that your sin is included in this qualification but but that's the thing whenever whenever the angel of the lord presents this to joseph there's no limitation there's no qualification there's no caveat that would that would that can be construed as putting you outside of this actually it just says their sin everyone's sin romans 3 23 says every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and the good news is that in the personhood of jesus you have salvation from that sin. What a gift it is to, to see that on that very day when God sent his son, God's son, down from heaven to earth to be born in the flesh in the manger, he's offered us a new way. Full and complete unity with God forever. That salvation is there for you and for me, and all we have to do is receive it. So tonight, I, I pray that you will receive Christ into your heart for the first time or for the 50th time, that it would be new and fresh, and that that belief would rise up within you, and it would be full of a conviction that God's presence is entirely and wholly with you forever, so that you might go forth from this place transformed because God's love is that powerful. It's there for us all, if we would yet believe. Would you pray with me? God, we want to believe, so help our unbelief. We don't have 
words to say what challenges we feel whenever we are considering a life of devotion to you. So, so in this space and time, Lord, we just surrender. We surrender to your love. We surrender to your offering. We surrender to your presence with us. And so we ask, God, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that you would fill us with your Spirit so, so that we would, we would be born again, born anew, just as Christ is born in the manger. Lord, we ask that your Son would be born into our hearts and lives.